Hello, and welcome to Horse Talk. This is our first endeavor into the podcasting community, and we're very excited that you wanted to join us. I am Dr. Yardley. I am an associate professor in veterinary clinical sciences at The Ohio State. Uh, I'd just like to make a disclaimer that these are my thoughts and my thoughts alone, and I'm not representing The Ohio State. Uh, we, uh, I have been practicing equine veterinary medicine since 2006, and I've been a clinical professor at Ohio State since 2014. So I was in private practice for a while before I came back. The point of this podcast is to try to break down some myths um, and to educate everyone about horses, um, especially our clients. And I'm going to use peer-reviewed literature and kind of break that down so people can kind of get a good sense of what is true out there um, and what might be marketing or not true at all. Um, so I just wanted to start um, with uh, Potomac horse fever vaccine. So it is, it is springtime. We're vaccinating horses here in central Ohio. Today was 43 degrees out, beautiful day. Um, and there have been some requests recently for vaccinating with Potomac horse fever. I just wanted to go through a recent paper from 2019 um, as to why we, I, I personally don't recommend the vaccine. So just a little about PHF, where's it come from? It comes from, it's a bacteria uh, that comes from aquatic insects. So mayfly and caddisflies um, that are flying around freshwater sources. From there, it had been into a, a freshwater snail previously, and then a trematode prior to that. So Neerichesia ristii is the name of the bacteria or an intercellular parasite actually. So it's not truly a bacteria but is an intercellular parasite. It um, was first recognized in, in 1979 in the Potomac River in Maryland. So in horses there um, and it's been described as causing uh, diarrhea, fever, lethargy, colic, and laminitis. I think um, what we see clinically in our horses is more along the lines of a horse with a fever, not wanting to eat, um, that has maybe a high or low white cell count, kind of depending where it is, and could slightly have an elevated serum amyloid A. Serum amyloid A is a marker of acute inflammation uh, made by the liver. So we get these horses, it's usually a, a late summer to fall time disease is when we see PHF. And I have to say, honestly, in my population of horses that we see, and there's a lot of PHF that is here in central Ohio, um, the horses don't truly develop diarrhea um, or laminitis. The ones that come into our hospital do uh, develop diarrhea and laminitis. But the ones that we see in the field, because we treat them aggressively with antibiotics, oxytetracycline um, antibiotics that will kill these obligate intercellular parasites. So oxytet's a treatment. I tell our clients here in Ohio that if the horse has a fever, please let us know. We'll come out to the farm, we'll run some diagnostics, even ultrasound the horse's colon to see if the horse might have diarrhea or internal diarrhea. Um, if it has a fever and we do some blood work, elevated serum amyloid A, I might, you know, I might even start putting the horse on oxytetracycline. The literature shows that horses that are treated with oxytet prior to admission to an equine hospital have a better outcome. 
So um, in the world of using antibiotics judiciously, I think this is a good case um, for a horse with a fever. In the summertime, we ultrasound their lungs. They don't have any pneumonia, um, and they don't have strangles. They don't have, you know, um, they've been vaccinated for West Nile and Triple E. Um, we're probably going to treat them with oxytenant. All right, we're going to pull blood on these horses, so we're going to do um, two blood tests um, for it. So one is a PCR test. So PCR is able to amplify the DNA of the organism. So we take it back to the lab and the lab runs um, the test and that will tell us if the organism is present in the horse's blood. And the other test is an immunofluorescent antibody titer. What's that mean? That means that we run this test and we're looking for antibodies the horse has produced to the organism. This is probably not the most delicate test because horses will develop antibodies through natural exposure. We believe that, this, um, that we're seeing this disease uh, longer and longer uh, in the season. So in December, we do still test for Potomac horse fever uh, if a horse is, uh, has a fever or has diarrhea. Um, we'll definitely test for PHF. So, so it's a disease that horses get from eating mayflies and caddisflies, okay? And we want to protect them against laminitis and diarrhea. That totally makes sense. So we made a vaccine. Well, when was the vaccine made? The vaccine was made in 1984. That, for some people out there, you know, 1984 was uh, quite a long time ago. Not, the vaccine is not as quite as old as me, but pretty close. And the vaccine hasn't been updated since then. So it's over 30 years old, almost 40 years old. All right, what does that mean? So that means the organism that was isolated they made a vaccine to that organism over 30 years ago. Lots have changed. There's a lot of significant genetic and antigenic shift. What does that mean? That means that uh, the DNA has changed. The organism has evolved. As the organism has evolved, we have uh, seen different uh, um, different variations in the disease that, that it causes, and we know that it'll escape, you know, immunity. And I think. You know, the perfect example um, in today's world is COVID-19. So the first uh, vaccine that was made uh, was for the original strain, the, the Wuhan strain. Um, and now we just all live through the Omicron strain and we realized that the vaccine was not as efficacious because this, the virus had changed. Now, a parasite is gonna change slower than a virus because there's more than an uh, it's more to it, um, but anyways, the same idea. So over time, the vaccines need to be changed and updated. So, so that's the thing going against this vaccine is how old it is. And the thing that I really want to bring forward is in this study is how many horses did not even mount an immune response to the vaccine. So if the vaccine was used, so it's in their study, 45 horses um, were vaccinated and it was more than that, but 45 horses were vaccinated and 25 of them did not seroconvert, did not make enough antibodies to be above a potential threshold where it could protect the horse. So over half the horses that we vaccinated were not protected. I'm not sure if that's a great vaccine. And then we go down to two months out and um, of, of that set, 
um, one more horse uh, didn't seroconvert, 26. Um, and then when they tested them again um, at uh, three months out, um, 30 horses didn't seroconvert to the, the 45. Um, so that's pretty significant. So I'm not necessarily gonna say that that's great. So basically what is the data? One month post-vaccination, only 34 horses showed a seroconversion. So only 34 horses made antibodies to the vaccine. And then at uh, two months, it was 31%. And at three months, it was 27%. That 27%. So that's a three months vaccine. So that means when we vaccinate these horses, only 27% of them will make an antibody response. So there's a whole host of them that are not making a response to the vaccine. So I question what is the point of the vaccine? And to top that off, how is the vaccine labeled? So you can read the labels on the vaccine, and the vaccine can say like what the vaccine was proven to do. And in this case, the vaccine is only lessening the clinical signs of disease. So people talk about the, the when horses are vaccinated for PHS, they're less likely to develop serious sequelae such as laminitis and diarrhea. Well, so this is a very low level of protection from disease. So low level protection and low immunogenicity. So again, I'm going to go back to what do I see in horses here in Central Ohio? I see clients that give us a call, the horse has a fever, didn't eat this morning, we go out to the farm, we do some diagnostic tests on farm, again a serum amyloid A, an ultrasound of the lungs, make sure the horse doesn't have pneumonia, make sure the horse doesn't have strangles, and we're probably going to go ahead and treat the horse with Oxytet and we don't have very poor outcomes in this population because we're treating these horses with antibiotics. So I just don't think that vaccinating for uh, vaccinating is worth only having, say, at three months, 27% of my horses having protection. So let's say that you like, yep, PHF, the vaccine works, doc, and I want to keep doing it. Okay, that's fine. You can keep doing it. I mean, I'll give your horse a shot. It's not going to hurt it. Uh, vaccine will not cause autism. Um, so let's go ahead and, and give your horse a, give the horse a vaccine. Well, how often do you need to do it? Well, if we say that, you know, 27% of horses had antibody response at three months, um, the, this study did not go out any further. Um, but that's a that's pretty low number. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to revaccinate these horses probably at three or four months to see if we can get another another response, another uh, immune response. So we would probably recommend vaccinating for PHF every three or four months. Most people vaccinate twice a year, but if you really want to have protection, I think you need to vaccinate three or four months. And then of that cohort, you are only 27% are going to show an immune response. Now. You could counter my argument, which I love, and you could say, well, doc, you're just measuring antibodies. And antibodies are gonna fight off the disease, but you did not measure T cells. T cells is another part of the immune system. And these T cells, they have memory T cells, and they see this organism before, and they are gonna you know, get stimulated by the vaccine because it's like a booster, and they're gonna do that much better. That is true, that is physiologically true. Uh, that is what happens to the immune system, but I don't know if we have any data to show that. We don't have any data to show that these booster series uh, could potentially work.
and that you would magically have a higher number than 27%. But uh, studying T cells is, is very expensive. Um, antibodies are very easy to measure in the lab. Uh, T cells are a lot more difficult um, to measure to see if we have um, a good T cell response. So, one other thing this study said was there's two ways the vaccine can be given. Uh, the PHF uh, vaccine can be given with rabies together as one. Uh, that, that vaccine is on the market. And those horses even were uh, more, uh, had even had a worse immune response than the ones that were given just PHF alone. So overall, I think that they exhibited a very poor immune response, uh, which is consistent with previous reports. Um, and their immune response was even weaker in the vaccine that where the PHF and rabies was given together or in the same syringe. That's how the bottle um, is made. Um, we are working, by we, I mean the industry is working towards better um, PHF vaccines um, with to get all 11 different strains included in the vaccine. I think that will be great. I think if that could come to market, that would be good. But at this time, I just have a hard time recommending the PHF vaccine. And even more, um, and this might upset some people that run you know, boarding farms and that make these vaccine protocols up, the PHF vaccine is not really gonna protect other horses. So you know, we do sometimes vaccinate like an influenza to help protect other horses. Um, you know, this is only gonna protect the individual horse if it protects the horse at all. So I would think that, you know, if you are uh, vaccinating for PHF, I think it's, you can do it. It's not gonna hurt the horse. Uh, maybe have a serious conversation uh, with your veterinarian and just to get their opinion. But I can tell you what's in the literature and, you know, what we see clinically, but, you know, what in the literature is, is that the immune response is, is very poor. So, you know, I like, I don't like gambling. Um, I don't like losing money. And in this case, this is a real, you know, I would not put my money that this vaccine is going to protect my horse because, you know, only 27% of them at three months had immune response. So that is what I have about the PHF vaccine. It is springtime and it's super important uh, to get your horse vaccinated um, for yearly diseases such as tetanus, uh, equine uh, encephalitis, eastern equine encephalitis, western equine encephalitis, west nile virus, and rabies. Here in central Ohio, we highly recommend the botulism vaccine. We do see a fair bit of horses that present with botulism. That will be another um, podcast um, later. And uh, if you are in a large boarding facility, um, influenza and herpes uh, would be recommended. So that's what I have for you guys. I appreciate you uh, listening to Horse Talk with Doc Yardley. Um, I'm very excited that this is my first recording. Um, I hope you guys liked it. Please leave feedback, comments, um, and uh, let us know anything else you'd like to see or for me to talk about. Otherwise, um, this, I'm signing off for now. Thank you.